Welcome to Healthy Options. I'm Cynthia Swan, and today we're going to speak about music therapy and its many applications with my guest, Alan Wittenberg of Surrey Music Theater, of Surrey Music Therapy Center. Let me give you a little information about Alan. Music touches us when words cannot. This phrase from the Surrey Music Therapy Center's brochure encapsulates Alan's concept of music therapy. Alan is a certified music therapist with a master's degree in music from the City University of New York at Queens College. He's completed a postgraduate studies in music therapy at New York University, where he received his certification as a certified music therapist. For five years, he worked at the Bronx Children's Psychiatric Center in New York City before moving to Surrey, Maine in 1982. His first trip to Japan in 83 and his first trip to Russia in 1986 were transformative and prompted him to initiate the development of the Kyoto International Music Therapy Center in Kyoto, Japan. He founded and directed the St. Petersburg Music Therapy Center in Russia in 1993. Alan has published professional articles in music therapy in the Music Therapy International Report, the Kyoto University School of Medical Technology Journal, and the Nigata Journal of Health and Welfare. Since 82, he's pioneered the field of music therapy, and he's implemented innovative programs in Maine, Japan, Russia, and France. He consults extensively with universities, hospitals, mental health institutes, centers for the elderly, as well as schools and preschool programs. In 04, Alan developed and taught the first university-level music therapy courses offered in Maine as an adjunct faculty for the University of Maine system and for Husson University. His mission since 1982 has been to bring the power and beauty of music therapy to those who would have little or no access to it in Maine and to support the development of music therapy in clinical, medical, rehabilitative, developmental, and geriatric settings in Maine and internationally. Welcome, Alan. Thank you, Cynthia. Well, without further ado, let's talk about music therapy in terms of scope and practice. It's a big scope, and there are many different applications for music therapy. Some music therapists uh, specialize in working with preschool children with developmental delays. Some are more focused on geriatrics or even hospice. Others work in more specific medical areas like recovery from stroke, uh, oncology, uh, respiratory disorders, which we have a lot of in Maine, emphysema and asthma in particular. Uh, when I was beginning in the field, I attended a wonderful uh, conference on music therapy and respiratory disorders at Goldwater Memorial Hospital in New York City, uh, and Yitzhak Perlman was a a guest at that conference. Um, uh, it's incredible what music therapists are doing all over the country and all over the world. Some even specialize in neonatal intensive care units working with very premature at risk little, little infants <clears throat> um, uh, to reduce agitation, increase weight gain, um, uh, increase oxidation, and also it's been shown to be cost-effective in terms of earlier release times. So music is the universal language, right? 
I've heard that before. <laughs> and and in terms of so so putting this universal language in a therapeutic context, mm. that that's really what music therapy is about. Yeah, you know, we'd like to say the art and science of music therapy, but I think you could apply that to a lot of things. I, I think everybody who's sensitive and good at what they do probably see some art and science into it. So I think it's still vague. But music therapists are really concerned with clinical outcomes. Uh, uh, we're, we're targeting acquisition of skills or higher function or a sense of well-being or reduction in pain or social confidence or on-task behaviors or um, uh, stimulating memory. Um, Th those are the kind of things that we target, but hopefully we're doing it with the subtle and 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 powerful aspects of music that that could bring beauty, they could bring bring release and energy. Uh, when I go over to Japan and I do seminars, I also uh, often talk about energy, emotion, and experience. Well, if you're the mom of an autistic child, energy, emotion, and experience is probably not what you're looking for. But through the clinical and tactful application of using music to kind of equate with the energy level of the child and bring them into a direct here-now experience, you are helping them to grow developmentally and you're also helping them to reduce um, autistic symptomologies. So in general, your you, music is the vehicle. You yes. have an objective in the treatment plan, yes. and then you have a way of measuring if this is effective. Exactly, and, and we, we have particular areas that many music therapists focus on. So in terms of communication, in terms of cognitive skills, um, memory, sequencing, patterns, understanding, orientation of a social setting or space in terms of somebody with disabilities or somebody with uh, middle or late stage Alzheimer's. Um, we also work in psychiatric care quite often. That's where music therapy started, which would be a, a whole other program if we wanted to talk about music. So its roots are in psychiatry, you're saying? Well, it's Roots is a modern-day profession, really, in World War II, because uh, after the vets came back, and um, there were thousands or tens of thousands, and a Walter Reed Army Hospital, which uh, recently in the Iraq War got uh, some... Uh, Took a lot of heat for... Yes, yes, some bad press for mm -hmm. a lot of reasons. and uh, But after World War II, it was the center for recovery, rehabilitation, for vets, and they did studies on active and passive music. Uh, when I say they, I mean medical doctors, psychologists, and musicians. And from those studies, the first university programs uh, evolved uh, in the Midwest you, in, around 1950. Okay, now you said active and passive music. Mm, what mm. what define that for listeners? What's active music versus passive? To me, it's really pretty simple. It's it's like just. We, we all have expressive 
and receptive skills. So speech pathologists really plug into this stuff, but so do music therapists. Uh, and by the way, speech therapy and music therapy are, you know, could be great brothers and sisters. Uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, so active meaning playing instruments, singing, moving, involved in the experience, passive meaning, what a lot of people think of as music therapy, which is just listening to chill or get pumped up, um, uh, or, uh, you know, in a spiritual sense, there are people who equate music with different colors or different uh, uh, planets. Or utilize music for meditation. Exactly, right? for exactly. Yoga, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think of hemisync, the binaural beat people, and mm -hmm. they have the music in the background, mm -hmm. which which makes me think of the brain, which is the next thing I want to talk to you about, music and the brain. Now, I know that you are actually doing a, uh, a course. I think it's for the University of Maine. Isn't that coming up? Yes. And um, I, well, I want to give you an opportunity to talk to listeners about that, as well as talking about music and the brain. <clears throat> well, thanks. Um, it's an exciting opportunity for me. I've developed a new course. Uh, I've developed several courses for the University of Maine system. And I say the system because I've taught the courses uh, up at Orono mm -hmm. um, and at the Hutchinson Center, a really nice place in Belfast, and a couple times at the University of Maine and Machias campus. Mm -hmm. And they're all you know, interesting to me in, in terms of connecting with the community in that area. The course I'm going to be teaching in August will be offered um, up in Orono. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a three-credit, one-week intensive, uh, and it's cross-listed, so one could take it for graduate credit or undergraduate credit, and I think it will be particularly meaningful and relevant to anybody in the fields of elementary education, special education, early childhood development, as well as um, psychology, social work, counseling, as well as anybody interested in mental health and geriatrics. So we will cover a broad range. It will be an introductory level course, and we'll go through certain concepts like neuroplasticity in the brain, neurogenesis, um, and how music therapists are doing um, research and work to show better medical outcomes, for example, in terms of recovery from stroke. Um, can I take a little tangent here? I mm -hmm. think the most familiar to everybody listening would be the case of Gabrielle Giffords, uh, the congresswoman who is yes, who was tragically shot, shot in, in the head, and right. I believe the bullet... Um, went through her skull and entered her brain. Um, uh, there's a wonderful YouTube clip on this. If you just go to YouTube and, and, and put in Gabrielle Giffords and music therapy. And so a music therapist was really effective with helping her gain speech and movement. There's an aspect of music therapy called rhythmic auditory stimulation, um, which... Um, is a specialization where we use music to help uh, somebody from a traumatic injury or a stroke uh, usually recover movement in their lower body. 
And how is that accomplished? By, by giving them a pattern and a structure to plan their, se- their steps with the organization of rhythm and tempo. So it's pretty, actually, elementary in a certain way, but it takes the flexibility, the nuances, the subtleties of somebody as a therapist focusing on this yeah, element. Yeah, because I would think the therapist knows exactly what to look for sure. and how to adjust so it's not like a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. And very often the therapist will play live with the person to sync with their needs because, it's not. first of all, it's not one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. And second of all, everybody doesn't have the same energy or balance or mental focus throughout a therapy session. So there's there's ebb and flow in this. It's, it's a plastic live thing. In this uh, kind of therapy session, would, the th- would you, the therapist, uh, be moving, doing movement with the, uh, with the client or patient? Okay, okay. So you're working in tandem with them. <laughs> Excuse me. It's wonderful to speak to you about this because it's rare that I get to talk with with somebody so uh, involved and interested asking me all these. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Questions. So I have to be honest. This is a kind of work that I sometimes do with somebody with disabilities. For example, Mm -hmm. uh, I now have an individual who's 80 years old who's coming to my clinic and somebody who's 90 years old who's coming to my clinic with a walker. And my clinic is not on Main Street in Ellsworth or Bangor. It's in... You're off in Surrey. It's on (laughs) rustic Morgan Bay Road in Surrey. And, uh, um, you know, I'm delighted to have people coming and elderly people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we do is plan upper and lower body movements and I play and move with them. Uh... And there's an aspect called mirroring where they they see. So it 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 also helps the process visually as well as the auditory uh, support and stimulation. That that's yeah that that I could see where that could be very um, therapeutic. Let let me ask you this, Alan. It, you you obviously think that music. I would say you would you think that music is essential for growth and development. How is that so? I told you not to ask me tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so essential in the literal sense, there's, you know, just your basic uh, activities of daily living, and I work with people who need those provided for them. You know, you need to be uh, ideally clothed, fed, <clears throat> bathed. So essential, probably not in a literal sense, but... Essential in the sense of effective, and sometimes uniquely effective. So uh, physical therapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists, special educators, they all do great work. You know, nurses, I have loads of respect for all of them. But sometimes you will see a new potential, a new strength, uh, a new ability, and even less of a disability when somebody is engaged and making contact through a music therapy approach uh, which can integrate many aspects of their function and well-being. 
there's neuroscientists like uh, David Lev- uh, Daniel, I believe his name is, Levitin, who's got a pretty well-known book called This Is Your Brain on Music. And I think he has a subsequent book called either Five Songs or Seven Songs of the Earth. Um, uh, don't, don't quote me on the second title. It might, might be off a little bit. But he's a bit of a leader um, in, in the neuroscience research. Um, the, a person that I'm totally um, uh, enamored by is Oliver Sacks, who's been around for oh, decades. Yes. The man who mistook his wife for it, his hat. Exactly. And his book, Awakenings, was mm. uh, kind of they made, made into, into a, a film. film with Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm, I can't remember not the quite right there. I can't yes. remember the co-star, yeah, but it was uh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. De Niro. Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Not bad for 600 years of age. Okay. <laughs> so... so um, and he's more recently written musical philia and subsequent books. He's got this passion for um, music and the brain and music and uh, wellness music. And he's created an institute in New York City for the study of music and neurologic function. Um, mm-hmm. Very few people in Maine know that. But uh, if I knew somebody with a stroke or somebody who had Parkinson's, or somebody who had Lou Gehrig's disease. These are generally considered degenerative. neurodegenerative disorders, as is um, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's no cure for any of those things, and they are degenerative. So the, 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 the course is pretty much downhill. But if music therapy could be used to deter that, um, um, make it slower, it, it's not really a preventative. But when I use the word an essential tool for growth and development in my course title, um, to me, I think it's essential to explore it because, as I said, some people will respond better to music therapy than they will physical therapy or speech therapy. Or, right, or talk therapy, yes, traditional psycho. Absolutely. Yeah, not not everybody is a talker, and not everybody can talk about where it hurts or where it's stuck. Mm-hmm. So, so music is this vehicle that can kind of open yeah. up into their heart and, yeah. it, and also work their physical body and affect their mind. Yeah, it totally so it reaches oils, all these levels. oils the gears. Yeah. If, if you've just joined us, you're <clears throat> listening to uh, Healthy Options. My name is Cynthia Swan, and my guest is Alan Wittenberg of the Surrey Music Therapy Center right in Surrey, Maine. And I'm going to give an email for Alan um, if people would like to contact him as a result of uh, this interview. Alan, A-L-A-N, at surreymusictherapy.com. And you can also visit Alan's website at surreymusictherapy.com. That makes it pretty simple. I'll even give a phone number here for those who just refuse or can't use the Internet. Um, 207-667-1308. So, um, so music therapy, Alan, is an effective, subtle, powerful approach with this whole range of disabilities. And when you were talking specifically about these uh, neurodegenerative diseases, let, let's take, take me through. Let's say someone comes to you they have Parkinson's, and they're having a really difficult time dealing with this disease state. Mm-hmm. 
and they're frantic maybe, or maybe not frantic, maybe that's not a good word, but there's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, um, and their, their, um, their, their health is, seems to, they're kind of going on a down, maybe a downhill slide. What, they come in and they meet you. Talk us through what, what, what you might do with them. T- t- tell listeners, what might the session involve? <clears throat> so music therapists have a, as I think of it, in, a, in the, sim- the most simple way I could think of it, uh, a certain number of channels and, uh, or ways to involve or reach out or engage um, uh, who they're working with. And one of them is uh, maybe the most basic is through the voice and movement. So there's another field. Uh, music therapy, by the way, is part of a sort of umbrella field called expressive or creative arts therapies. And there's a program for that at Lesley University, including a PhD in it. And they also offer a PhD in music therapy uh, specifically uh, or expressive arts therapies. So I- encompassed in that field is music therapy. Uh, some people call it dance. Some people call it move- movement therapy. And art therapy. Those are the three primary ones. And they all have PhD programs. There's several throughout mm-hmm. the country, not just at Leslie. Um, uh, so all these therapists and most therapists uh, have different channels that they use. I'm sure talk therapists don't think that they have to use only verbal dialogue 100% of the time. Some might use hypnosis, some might use relaxation, some might use uh, associations with images or... um, uh, So there are different ways and it's not, again, it's not one size fits all. Not every Freudian analyst works in the same way. So in music therapy, we could use the voice, we can use the body in terms of movement, um, and we use instruments. And a lot of the instruments we use are not, or or rather atypical. They might be ethnic, they might be um, rhythmic uh, or percussion, they might be melodic, and we use them to strive towards the issues or the pathology or the disability that the client has, not, not only to have fun doing music or to find a better way to play it. And it's a little subtle between music education and music therapy. There's overlap. Mm-hmm. But if you take piano lessons and, and little Johnny's coming and he's eight years old, you want him to play uh, with less mistakes you want them to play more beautifully, and you want them to understand the dynamic markings or um, uh, what key it's in, what, what time signature it's in, the fundamentals of music as a language. But I'm not concerned with that as a music therapist. If somebody doesn't know if it's two-four time or three-quarter time or if it's major or minor or even what notes they're playing on a melodic instrument, that's okay. So there's no prior music training necessary to uh, to, to, to engage u- in this therapy. Yes, yes. And what we do is we use these, these fundamentals of music to enhance other areas that are uh, impacted in some way. 
And so if it's somebody with asthma or breathing, we might sing not, not to be a mic singer, not to be a country singer, but to try to elongate their, their lung capacity and, and their phrasing. Um, and so I think music is so special in that we could work so well with uh, speech therapy issues, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, uh, just holistic health in nursing and in, um, in hospital care and medical settings uh, with pediatrics um, and, and with things that are a big portion of the main population like autism spectrum disorders to Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's segue to autism um, or, or just in general um, as another disability. So the same principles could be applied with perhaps an autistic child. You would obviously meet with the child and, and the family, and then you would look at, do, do, when you zero in on the therapy that you'll, on which approach, because you have all these tools in your tool bag, so as you zero in on the approach, do you go to what the person is most uncomfortable with or mm. what they're most comfortable with? I mean, how do you decide I, as a therapist which way to, to yeah, engage? That's always a delicate balance. And, and, and because music is an art, and I believe therapy is an art, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think there's a cookbook for this. There's no recipe. It, it, it really takes experience. It really takes some common sense. Um, it takes some training, and there's certainly resources. Um, hopefully, the schooling and training mm-hmm. is, is a good one, but there's constantly more stuff coming out. Uh, I go to conferences. But, but uh, that's a difficult question to answer. Because so, there's uh, no one way. I understand there's right, no one but, way. Uh, but most of the time, I want to meet somebody on the level they're at. So if... I see somebody who's depressed and lethargic. I, I don't say, come on, be happy, and start singing some, you know, uh, a beat toe, song. toe-tapping <laughs> song and get a smile on your face, you know. Uh, um, I try to meet them at their level, but I try to help them to explore uh, another range of affect, another range of emotion. And that's the same thing for somebody who's very hyper- attention deficit disorder, uh, who can't focus. Uh, and sometimes, sure, we want to challenge somebody and just see, can they go that you know step more? Can they understand this pattern? How many notes could they remember in a sequence? And that's one of the ways we support memory, mm-hmm. is we, we do rhythmic patterns, we do melodic patterns, um, and it, 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 it's not just playing by the numbers. Uh, so it's different each time. And when I think back upon the Parkinson's question you uh-huh. gave me, uh, um, it's a difficult, you know, it's almost like you're asking me to give me, give me a roadmap of a session with an individual with Parkinson's. Well, with Parkinson's, it's uh, so often a, uh, th- their physical symptomologies. So, so it might be the left hand is more shaky than the right. It might be there's a lack of balance. It mm-hmm. might be we're targeting more fine motor skill with an instrument with smaller keys, mm. uh, and that which requires what occupational therapists call sensory integrative function. So you're looking, 
your listening, your planning, the motor movement, Mm -hmm. um, all those things. So we might do more or less of it. But I'm not like a fitness trainer, so it shouldn't be right. like, you know, okay. walking on a treadmill or how many lifts did you get? Mm-hmm. Um, so w- we try to have some uh, diversity and, and variety in the session as well. And part of it is just a sense of well-being and release. Um, I would imagine people would have fun because I'm thinking if you're using music as the vehicle, mm. um, you can forget some of your, uh, you know, you might be able to, to get lost in the music or get lost in the as- certain aspects of a session where it might actually be fun. Wouldn't that yeah. take place for the, for the patient typically? I, I, I mean, there know. might be some I, I can't trepidation. Say typically, but it, okay. it definitely happens. Uh, uh, you know, if you're 80 or 90 years old or even if you're 30 and you have no musical training and, you, you know, people don't like your singing, you know, you might be a little gun shy Mm -hmm. to engage in music activities. And I see a lot of people like that. Usually people who are um, uh, in some stage of dementia or children are totally, you know, their their level of inhibition is... Is uh, Is probably not very high. Yeah, right. right? I I mean, mean, it's it's greatly raised compared to the natural, you know, uh, cross-section of the population. And some people, I've had a client with obsessive compulsive disorder come, and uh, uh, he was a pretty good violinist, too. Uh, uh, But his drumming was incredible. I think he had no idea of it. I gave him like a Dunbeck kind of hand drum, Mm -hmm. and um, this, this was like transformative for him. Right, so it's like so. I guess that's the art part of the therapy yeah. is to match the right tool, using music as the vehicle with the client, so that you can either awaken something in them, or or again yeah. hit these hit these objectives or these that you're going for, hit these outcomes. Yes, and a music every music therapist is different too. So some are really skillful as guitarists, some as pianists, some as singers, some might play a solo instrument like a flute or a violin or a saxophone. And so they have their strengths and weaknesses too. But uh, music therapists are trained to be um, uh, uh, proficient on a level with a whole variety of instruments and different families of instruments. So you have the string family, the percussion family, the woodwinds, the brass. Okay, so I want to get a little metaphysical for a moment. Okay. So we think of, you know, I've heard like heart strings, stringed mm-hmm. instruments mm-hmm. affecting the mm-hmm. heart chakra or mm-hmm. the heart. I've heard of drumming having that more primitive mm-hmm. earth energy mm-hmm. of the, you know, the uh, root chakra. Um, is that at all part of uh, your medicine, oh, oh. part of your tool bag? Do, do you, I, ever, is that something that I mean traditionally maybe not in music therapy I don't know if that's taught in at the university level but um, do you have any thoughts on that oh of course I have lots of thoughts what's and your for, sense for more than 30 years I've been going to conferences so I've seen things evolve over time too and I've also seen as you have as everybody has the incredible growth of um, uh, drumming circles yes and um, that that wasn't around in in the 1980s much, and it was hardly really developing in the 90s. Um, 
in this country. Yeah, yeah. In, in this, of course, Africa's got a great tradition for that. But in this country, and even around 1980, this great African drummer, Ola Tunji, he's sort of like the godfather of, of African drumming. Yeah, yeah. Especially here uh, in, in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if you know somebody who I played with, Ola Tunji, you know, that's I mean, a big that's, thing. that's huge. <laughs> that's huge. So, uh, uh, yes, some people gravitate more to a different quality in an instrument. They just love the sound of it. I have a pentatonic, meaning five-tone uh, marimba-like instrument uh, that, that I, I see... 80, 90-year-olds, as well as three-year-olds, um, loving. And uh, regardless of disability, they like the, 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 the timbre, the sound quality of that instrument. But, but again, it's not one-size-fits-all. Some people are more into string instruments, and, and uh, a guitar would be effective, a violin might be effective. So am, am I, is it, in your studio, you have a variety of instruments, no yeah. doubt. Yes. And then, of course, you would use rhythm yes. and movement patterns. Yes. But you're not a dancer. No, I'm but not. You've, but this is still part of the therapy, and, and that's the beauty of it, right? You don't have to, in other words, you don't have to be musically inclined or a dancer yeah. Yeah. or any of these things mm-hmm. to engage with a music therapist, I, I, or I do want, you? I, I want to bring upon like a visual analogy then, uh, because we're working hard to kind of get some um, concept here. And um, I think most people are really familiar with play therapy. So you might have little toys, you might have a sandbox, you might have puppets, and you explore interactions, and maybe one of the puppets is dad and another is mom, and the kid is from uh, a home where there's been divorce or alcoholism, physical abuse, um, neglect, all of the above. You know, we have a lot of this in Maine. And, and, and you, you and treat that as a music therapist as well? Absolutely, you but I, I, okay. I, I, I'm, not, um, I'm not getting a big part of my caseload in that mm-hmm. direction, but I have worked with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, those of us who've been in the area for a long time might know of the Homestead Project, which has morphed into Kids Peace, and I used to consult there, and uh, many of those kids were, um, uh, if not convicted on a felony, on on some minor charges mm-hmm. and need, needed residential placement. And so, yes, I have worked with those kids, and I worked in a psychiatric hospital in New York City with those kids. Um, uh, it's, it's, again, an effective, maybe not essential, but an effective use of music therapy. Uh, in terms of building confidence, building trust, maybe I should you know, uh, say that first, um, uh, giving them a sense of a range of expressions, you know, because... They're so used to being angry. So, yeah, it, it's, I don't know where we're going here. No, but I just, I, I was listening to you. I think that's interesting You're, when you said give, giving a range of expression. So throughout all the tools that are utilized mm, in music yeah. therapy. And, and in play therapy, I think it's, it's more kind of people can imagine the visualness of that. You play with these objects. You know, of course, art therapists do good work um, in terms of 
depicting, you know, maybe how you feel in your family or how you feel in your classroom or how you feel with your brother um, or your stepdad who you're really angry at, but you can't say it because you're only four and a half years old. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, I'm having a conversation here. My name is Cynthia Swan, this is Healthy Options, and I'm having a conversation with Alan Wittenberg of Surrey Music Therapy Center in, of course, Surrey, Maine, and um, we're talking about music therapy and its applications. Uh, Alan's email is alan, A-L-A-N, at surrey, S-U-R-R-Y, Therapy. Com, and the website the same, surreymusictherapy.com. You're listening to 89.9 FM, 99.9 FM, and we're streaming here on our, your community radio station, weru.org. Alan, um, in terms of uh, music therapy uh, on the web, you know, for those that are on the Internet, talk about that. Well, there's an American Music Therapy Association, uh, AM. T-A. And um, it represents almost 6,000. I believe it's in excess of 5,000 music therapists. There's a lot of great information they have. I think they call it fact sheets. Um, but but they're, they're um, stuff that you can download on specific issues like the issues we've been talking about, music therapy and Alzheimer's, music therapy and autism spectrum disorders, um, uh, I believe there's one on music therapy and mental health, music therapy and medicine. They have videos. Um, they have um, uh, books and journal articles or journal uh, subscriptions that you can buy. And it will lead you to other uh, resources. Um, uh, I, I, I've recently refreshed or kind of updated my website so uh, www.surreymusictherapy is another in main resource there's also videos there and I'm trying to get better at updating it with seminars and courses that I offer Um, uh, there's a world federation for music therapy on the web uh, and uh, you know, countries like Israel or Japan, um, the Scandinavian countries are doing great things. You, w- you wouldn't expect it uh, because compared to other fields, it's relatively small. Um, uh, England has a long-established uh, uh, program, as does uh, Germany. They call it the Deutsche Gesellschaft for music therapy. And they're leaders in certain medical uh, areas, or they're strong in certain medical areas. Uh, what about music in the medical setting? Well, th- there's a huge application for that in this country. Um, um, maybe some of the listeners are familiar. For example, I, sometimes I like to go in chronological order. So we already talked about NICU, and you can't, get much earlier than that. However, there is a, um, uh, uh, there, there are people who have done studies with, with music uh, played uh, right on uh, expectant mother's uh, uh, abdomen. Uh, uh, 
and you know, sort of like in the womb university or something. Mm-hmm. And um, and and some people say uh, the child is more well adjusted or has uh, quicker acquisition skills for language and other things. That's not my focus. That's not my work. Um, the people at Florida State University, uh, Jane Stanley, are, are doing great work with the neonatal realm? neonatal intensive care unit, mm-hmm. um, and she has some pioneering books about that. Um, uh, going sort of up a little bit in the age range, we're looking at infant mental health um, and uh, children with developmental delays. So we might target um, things like Down syndrome, autism, cerebral palsy, are some of the most common ones. uh, But in addition, there's fetal alcohol syndrome, there's organic brain syndrome. And so those are also ways that music therapists might be working in medical settings. Now, little, little Sally might have fallen and broke her elbow and she's never been away from her parents even one night. And she might be in a hospital working with child life specialists who are helping her to get over the trauma of being away from home, of being in the hospital, of uh, having to get stuck and things that are in pain when she's already in pain. Mm -hmm. This is tough stuff for a little kid. Mm -hmm. And so music therapists work in conjunction with pediatric units all over the country to make the hospital experience better for the child. And there's studies showing that there are better medical outcomes. They might need less anesthesia. So I gave a talk at Eastern Maine Medical Center, several talks, uh, but uh, one to nurse anesthetists about music therapy in anesthesia. And in, in other hospitals, they are working pre-opt and post-opt in that sense. Music therapy and oncology is well-established. Sloan Kettering has a small music therapy department. Dana-Farber has music therapy. Um, Anderson Center in Houston, Texas. Okay, these are bigger centers, but we have the Cancer Center of Maine up there in Brewer. It's not a little place. It's it's a huge program, and uh, it would uh, benefit from having a music therapist work with uh, clients in terms of pain reduction, um, psychological issues, psychosocial issues, uh, and it's not just um, uh, a quality of life thing. There's often better process. There's better medical outcomes. And and there are studies that that uh, lean toward that indicate that. As yes, well, like, uh, but, as you but just by music therapists and hematologists in terms of blood cell count. Now that's interesting. It's. I, I never get to talk about this stuff, so it's yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so talk yes, about that. Yes, I uh, there's a Children's Rainbow Hospital, I, I think, in, in Ohio, and there's a wonderful music therapist there, or she was there, Deforia Lane. She's a PhD and a leading music therapist in the country, and she's done work. If listeners can get a hold of it, there was a 1999 satellite broadcast called Music Therapy and Medicine, and she's featured in it talking about that. How music actually affects, affects the blood, blood cells, the blood counts. Yeah, yes. That yes. is. With a child with leukemia. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. And, and improved, you know, yeah, improvement. Uh, you know, would, would 
this, uh, what the medical model wants is peer review articles. Right. Um, um, they, they want a cost-effective study. Mm-hmm. And music therapy s- programs and music therapy research is not always able to do that. We're not Pfizer, you know. We're not billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, to, to put in R&D, research and development. However, there are studies, usually they're in the dozens rather than in hundreds and thousands to document that. All right, I want to get personal now. And I want to ask you personally, why music? How, how, how did Alan Wittenberg decide? When did he decide? Hmm. Why did you decide? Why music? I told you, no tough questions. <laughs> so, uh, I, as a kid, as a child, so my aunt was a piano teacher. Uh, my mother sang. My friends played in the band. And came Memorial Day, uh, uh, they got in uniforms and did the parade. And as a little kid in Long Island, I kind of wanted to join them. Mm. Uh, uh, and I began at age 10 with a piano. Uh, I think it was, I was only 11, and I took up the trombone so I could be in the band. And, and uh, by the time I was 12 or 13, I had um, uh, really taken to the flute. And so right away, I had three quite diverse instruments, and it was... Uh, um, pulling on me. Uh, I wasn't one of these little whiz kids who practice five hours a day. No, but I, I just was sensitive to the energy and the beauty of music. But I had no interest to, you know, to anything like music therapy. Um, throughout high school, music was a really big part for me. Um, uh, and I decided I wanted to become a jazz trombone player. Mm. And I went out to Indiana to a relatively good school, Ball State University. Yeah, had a good, I know that's cool. good, good. Excellent da- dance program, too. David Letterman graduated from there two or three years before me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I graduated with a degree in music education and music composition, like a dual major. Mm-hmm. And I got accepted into a master's program in New York City. And eventually, I got accepted with a fellowship into a doctoral program at Boston University, which feels like it was 600 years ago, <laughs> um, uh, and, and didn't go there. Um, and I became a music teacher, uh, part-time adjunct faculty in New York City at, at uh, you know, community mm-hmm. university programs, and uh, also as a high school and then a junior high music teacher, mm-hmm. and had no interest in music therapy. Because uh, you were still interested in the educational aspects of and, music and, and, hoping, and to, hoping to be a jazz. Or, or a composer. Or a composer, yeah, okay. Or a composer, or get mm-hmm. a Ph.D. in composition and mm-hmm. become an academic, sort of. Um, but that really wasn't me. It's good I didn't try to do that. Um, I, I, so you got accepted into the Ph.D. program, but something in you said, well, No. Yeah, I, I felt, you know, a load of success because I was only about 23, 24. I was just a good boy. I kept going to school, yeah. and, 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 and I went up the ladder a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, But something happened. The student population in New York City 
went down. Uh, and they were uh, bumping young teachers out because um, veteran teachers were taking the positions that the young guys were getting. Were getting. Would have, yeah. And so uh, I eventually had to go back and get a state license. I had a city license. Mm -hmm. And when I had the state license, the first placement that they offered to me was at this, it was a very good place, the Bronx Children's Psychiatric Hospital, which was located right nearby Einstein and Jacoby Hospitals in New York. Mm -hmm. And I was working with autistic children, mute children, a forensic unit, uh, where wow. kids had committed major felons in the Bronx. Goodness. Um, and a whole, you know, then they used to call it um, uh, manic depressive. Now we call it bipolar. Um, kids who had some psychosis or schizophrenia. And it was a very good place for me to learn because they had great specialists come. And I, I felt like I should learn music therapy. I'm really... Um, compelled and, and drawn in by this place, this milieu. So that, that changed your life. Yes. As yeah, a and, young man. And, and, and it was it was just something I, I didn't expect, as well as sort of coming to Maine and then developing projects in Russia and Japan and France. Uh, uh, it, you know, some people really want to go to Japan, and it's like a life goal. Mm-hmm, right. I, I, I liked Asian things when I was in New York. Uh but, but I never really strategically planned, I'm so, going to get myself to Japan. So music therapy, you kind of almost, there was this like uh, synchronistic opportunity, however we want to phrase that, in your life where you go and you, you end up at the hospital there and you're working with this wide range of, of uh, children with a, a host of, of, you know, pretty extensive... Um, challenges. Yeah, it was also a wonderful place, and I think there were six or seven or eight art therapists. There were two dance therapists, and there was an indoor swimming pool with um, lots of glass. And so this was like a New York State model for care for children, and it was part of a big adult psychiatric complex where they had another music therapist working with the adults. So it was a really fertile... It's still operating today? As far as I know, it's right off of the Hutchinson River Parkway in the Bronx. I mean, that sounds like it was, you know, clearly ahead of its time, it that was. kind of a model. It was. It in, was. In, in, in the States. And, um, and And what did you experience there when you were working with these kids? I mean, did you see these great... Ab absolutely. Absolutely. Again, it's not a magic wand. It, it, it didn't impact everybody uh, uh, in, in this really significant night and day way. But you, I, I would see kids hungry to get their hands on the instruments, hungry to come in there. And, um, uh, and then you hear about them in other areas. And, you know, so the, the contrast changes. is significant. There was a special ed program connected to it. Uh, 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 children's and, and adult psychiatric and social work program connected to it. It was a really rich area, uh, a great, you know, program. Uh, I think a psychiatric hospital is a really complex place because their personalities, their politics, mm. um, their just differences of opinion, 
and um, and things evolved over five years. Um, and I kind of got a little bit burnt out of New York, even though I totally feel at home in New York and, and mm-hmm. relate to it. And it's such an exciting place for me. And I have a lot of family there. I have friends there. And I went to school there. Right. If you're just joining us now, I'm having a conversation with Alan Wittenberg, who is a certified music therapist and um, of Surrey Music Therapy Center right here in Maine. And his email is alan, A-L-A-N, at surreymusictherapy.com. And the website also is surreymusictherapy.com. You're listening to WERU. I'm Cynthia Swan with a Healthy Options program special about music therapy. And we're here at 89.9 FM, 99.9, and also streaming at weru.org. We we only have probably about 6 minutes mm. remaining. But I want to I I, wanna, I, I, I I want you to share with listeners Alan how how did you end up in Maine and how did this happen from Maine to Japan to Russia? I mean, you're all over the map here. You're all over the world. How, how did this happen? I mean, certainly you didn't anticipate this you just said as a you know as a kid you had you were going down this track all of a sudden your life changes when you uh, work in the hospital here in the psychiatric center you become a music therapist how did you end up here uh, you know it, it reminds me of it it's not what you know it's who you know mm, okay. <laughs> and 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 so years ago I heard of Walter Nowak who established the uh, originally, the Moon Spring Hermitage, which was a Zen sort of retreat, meditation retreat center, and morphed into the now, it's called a Morgan Bay Zendo. Mm-hmm. And, um, but after he put this incredible energy and effort into the uh, Moon Spring Hermitage, um, uh, he, he established the Surrey Opera Company. And then that sort of morphed into the Surrey Concert Barn. So he has been uh, a a great influence upon me. As I said, uh, the psychiatric hospital was a great place, but after five years, it really started to cook with me with some uh, personal and professional um, things that I wasn't so satisfied with there. You needed to change. It was clearly a time for change. And another really significant person in my life... um, suggested coming to Maine. It's mm. beautiful, Blue Hill, Bar Harbor, they're like fairyland, and they knew of this wonderful um, uh, Juilliard-trained pianist and singer and conductor who um, also studied uh, in Japan for f- about 16 years and uh, knew of people who had stayed who were quite mature and artists who, uh, and and Therefore, one thinks there's something good going on there. And I came in 82 to explore that. And uh, it was not easy. It was not like, you know, the, the glove fits the hand. I'm closer to a Woody Allen New York creature than, <laughs> than Paul Bunyan on a country road. <laughs> and um, so, so, you know, it took me a while. But months after I came, Walter took us to Japan. Uh, his students who wanted to go. And that was, if not the best experience of my life, one of the very top. And uh, uh, Walter 
and in another year or so, got really involved with, um, in the 80s, if people can remember, Gorbachev and Reagan, and there was a lot of issues about nuclear armaments and reduction, or um, what did he call that? He had some kind of uh, um, missile underground mobility system. I forget the name mm -hmm. of it. But... Uh, and Walter, Walter got very active in that. Um, in, and for him, as, as a, a very Japanese Buddhist-influenced person, it was music he was going to hold up. And it was music he was going to use as like an international bridge, as a way he called it to be in unity and harmony in one breath. Mm. And um, we found a wonderful Russian counterpart, uh, uh, in this woman, Yulia Fyrtich, in St. Petersburg, Russia, and she called it People of the Earth Together. And it evolved into a 25-year um, uh, span of uh, exchanges, visiting each other, doing conferences in music therapy and medicine, music therapy and psychology, um, my establishing a music therapy center in St. Petersburg in 1993. And because I love Japan... Um, I also, uh, again, what sometimes it's who you know, um, had contacts through Walter too. We were cha we were changing the world through music. I have to. I'm so sorry that our time is up. We actually have to leave it there. We could go on and on, but literally, that's what you were doing with this uh, amazing mentor up here too. Yes, he uh, he was he was a beloved friend and mentor. Changing yes. the world through music, yes. truly. I, I yeah. I'm inspired by that. Yeah. So I want to um, thank my guest, Alan Wittenberg of the Surrey Music Therapy Company. And, uh, or center, excuse me, and also uh, you have a program up at UMO uh, for a summer session, um, and people can find out more about that from uh, Music and the Brain, an essential tool for growth and development. We only got to really just um, talk about that very briefly. But uh, Alan at surreymusictherapy.com. Thank you so much, Alan, for you, sharing Cynthia. your story and for... Um, for uh, talking about music therapy. A pleasure to have such a stimulating conversation. Thank you.